When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome into another live edition of the Patriots Beat Podcast here on the CLNS Media Network. I'm Mike Cadlick, joined by 98.5 Alex Barth. We're here for a President's Day edition of Patriots Beat. Uh, we've got plenty to cover. A lot of stuff happened towards the end of last week. Uh, Patriots made a few signings, um, a cut, and uh, so we'll get into those. We'll do some Q&A with you guys, let you guys set the agenda once we hit on those, and then uh, close it out with the Boston Sports Minute because... Jason Tatum had a night last night, and uh, the Bruins had a day today. So uh, that's our agenda. We're going to stick to it. But let's start with the obvious one, Alex, because Patriots captain Matthew Slater is back. Uh, the Pats signed Slater. Uh, they announced it. He announced it uh, in conjunction with the team on Friday that he'll return to New England for his 16th season. Uh, it was reported then today uh, that it's a one-year deal for a total of $2.67 million with a $1.3 million cap hit. So it's uh, – Rather team-friendly, I'd say, for a guy who has been sort of a cornerstone here for the last 15 years. But uh, what would you make of the move? Do you think ultimately it, it made sense and uh, should have been something that they did? Yeah, and and I'll start off yeah. right now. Anybody who's complaining about the contract, it takes up 0.6% yeah. of the salary cap. It's negligible. I'm glad he's back. I think that kind of leadership is going to be important as they try to turn this thing around. He can still play. I don't think he was the biggest issue last year with the um, – with the Patriots special teams units. So right. if you can get a guy like that in the room, great. And we don't know if Cody Davis is going to be back. It sounds like Raekwon McMillan, Mac Wilson are going to be gone. So they were going to be down a lot of core special teams guys. Anyway, they were going to need to replace a number of these guys anyway. So having one more back on a very team friendly deal, you add in the leadership element of it as well. Yeah. You can't hate it. I'm surprised. Right. I thought he was going to retire. He sounded like a guy who was going to retire. Um, but I'm not like upset he's coming back or anything. No, I agree. I think it's I'm with you. It sounded like he was going to retire. It sounded like him and Devin were pretty much ready to go. I don't know if this means any more for McCordy, if maybe they might be some sort of tandem deal here, but uh look, I think if you want to talk as far as like guys who maybe have fallen off a little bit towards the end of their career, I feel like Devin McCordy might fit that mold where Matthew Slater really hasn't he wasn't the problem on their special teams. He's still playing high-quality football uh, for the amount of snaps he plays on special teams. Not that McCourty's necessarily bad anymore, but he's taken really, he, he's definitely taken a step back. So I don't know if he'll be back, but if, if he had to choose one of the two, I'd say I'd say bring Slater back. But do you think this means anything for Dev? I, I think it trends towards him returning. I'm not going to sit yeah. here and say that he's definitely back, but I know last year, when he said, said he was considering retiring, he said Matthew Slater was one of the people who kind of talked him into coming back. Okay. So he now has Ma Matthew Slater, somebody he is going to consult with. I don't think he's the only person. I think of course, his family, his wife, his kids, I'm talking about Devin, are going to be first and foremost, as I think they were for Slater. But when he goes to Matthew Slater for that advice, well, Slater's going to say, hey, I'll be there. I'm back. I'm going to be in the room with you. So I think it probably trends towards 
it helps the argument that McCourty's coming back. Yeah. I, I, I'm not ready to sit here and say he's definitely coming back because Slater's coming back, but I thought Slater was as good as retired and now he's back. So I feel the same way about, or I felt the same way about McCourty, but I think this opens up the door for him to return. I wonder too about these guys coming back, you know, on these one year deals. And it almost feels like what the Bruins guys did with Bergeron and Krejci. And it's like, you know, maybe we've got one more in us. Maybe we can get one last run together here. Do you like, and I wonder, and I sort of start to think about this team as far as being able to make the Super Bowl, right? If they have one last thing in them and the guys they could bring in, right? They have Bill O'Brien here now. Uh, Mac Jones hopefully takes that leap with a guy like O'Brien calling the offense now. Maybe, maybe they know something, you know, we're going to go get a few guys on defense and we're going to bring in a tackle and we're going to sign a star wide receiver and we're going to try and make the most out of these, these guys last, you know, year or two. And, you know, maybe there's sort of one last hurrah in them. Like just only because I don't see a 35 year old, 36, whatever, however old he is Slater and McCourty just coming back to come back. Like they want to win football games. So it's almost like it must feel like they're, they kind of have something here in New England, though. Yeah, I mean, I think it's certainly encouraging that if it really was that horrible, look, it, neither of them right. was on, were on offense. But mm-hmm. if it really was that horrible in the locker room, they're not coming back. They're not coming back to deal with that. Right. So, I like, in that sense, yeah, it's encouraging. Yeah, fair point. Um, I, I, again, I think so, too, because, like, there, there was definitely some disarray here last year. Uh, defense on as bad as offense the special teams was back and forth but um yeah i mean again if they if they feel like not that there's necessarily this oh we're gonna go all in and get aaron Rodgers. i keep seeing that lately like i don't think anything like that's gonna happen but maybe they trust o'brien with mac and maybe they think they can they can succeed and like you said things weren't as bad uh right weren't as bad last year uh the other move they made uh i believe this was friday or saturday as well but they re-signed uh veteran tackle connor mcdermott so McDermott was signed off the Jets practice squad this year. Uh, he had been with, is that correct? Yeah. He had yeah, been with New yeah. England in the past. Um, uh, he was drafted by the Patriots. He was never exactly. on their regular season roster. Okay. Um, he was basically brought in here this season when the O-line went in, went a mess. Uh, Wynn got hurt and things were just not great. And Marcus Cannon got hurt. They brought in Cannon, then he got hurt. So they needed a, a swing guy and he came in and he started six games for them and was actually pretty good. So, they re-signed McDermott. I believe it's a two-year deal. Um, Are the details fine. on that out yet? I haven't seen that. I, then again, I, I was golfing today. Well, there you go. Humble happy, brag. Humble brag. Yeah, seriously. Um, I believe what I saw was a two-year deal. Uh, so, I think. I mean, again, I don't know what this means for them as far as free agency versus the draft. I know that he's just sort of a depth piece. But what did you think of McDermott coming back? I mean, it. It's it's something, right? It they made a move at the O line. I don't know. I don't know what you make of it, but. Yeah, I I like that they're bringing him back. I thought he was a good fit last year. Um, so I'm just trying to find the details on that on that contract because I want to see the money. But, um, yeah, I thought he kind of stepped in and he he wasn't put in a great spot. You know, coming in in the middle of the season into an offense he'd never played in, but he kind of held his own at right tackle. He was much better against the run than in the passing game, but like he was serviceable. Now, I don't think their hunt at right tackle is over. I still think they should be in on Mike McGlinchey or Juwan Taylor, any of those guys in free agency, or I think they should be in on Dewan Jones. But 
the important thing to remember here is the Patriots only had, well, now have three tackles under contract for 2023. Trent Brown, who's on the wrong side of 30, coming off a down year, they saved between seven and $10 million if they let him go. So yep. he's not a sure thing. Andrew and Andrew Stuber, who was a seventh round pick last year and had a very serious leg injury, who's not a sure thing. So they had no sure things on the roster. They need to build this position really back up all the way from the ground up. So it's not just that they need starting tackles. They do. They need backups for those guys as well. So again, I don't know that Connor McDermott is your starting right tackle. I'm not saying I like the signing in that sense. If that was, if that's why they bought, brought him back, boy, that, that feels like <laughs> a real undersell, but right. they're going to need a backup. And I think as a backup, if he's a guy, especially he's going to be Trent on that right side, who's missed time. I don't feel terrible if he has to step in and play a game or two, right? If they have a big game late in the year and they need a tackle, I'll take him for a game or two. Like that's for what I would imagine they sign him for, which I don't think will be a ton of money. I think it'll be similar to that Slater contract. Yep. Especially if he signed this early. It's a good backup. Good, solid backup, right? Tackle. Can't hate it. As long so- as he's not the starter. If, if they right. stop touching the right tackle position, then I'll come back and look at this and say, ah, they probably sold themselves short. Something they didn't have last year that, you know, that true depth piece that they needed as like at the swing tackle position. Right. And so, well, things... I don't know that the swing tackle, I don't really think he can play left, but. Okay. I, but they, they also needed some, like they need anything or they needed anything last year. And so they kind of brought in McDermott. You need four tackles. You need yeah. really four tack. I think you need four tackles in, in four interior offensive linemen on your roster. Like that should be the makeup. Um, and they have, and, and you can play with those numbers as guys have versatility, but they have a, ta- they have a backup tackle. That's good. It right. orders weird. Normally get the starter first, but they couldn't re-sign a starting tackle. Cause they don't have any starting, right. t- like Isaiah Wynn to me is not a starting tackle. So it's a fine signing. I don't hate it. Assuming they didn't go overboard with the money, which I don't think they did. And as long as he's not the starter, which I don't think that's the plan. I don't think he will be. I hope not. I mean, again, that's that's what if if this is their plan at backup tackle, great. It's perfect. It's it's someone who you can rely on in a pinch. If they're like, oh no, McDermott played six solid games for us this year, and we're gonna give him a chance, and we're gonna not draft and not go in and whatever, like that's that's bad news. But you can't complain about something that hasn't happened yet. And I get, I agree. I think it's it's a solid, it's a uh, solid signing for a guy who can uh, can be a solid backup. So. The subsequent move was that they released LeBron Ray. Uh, I don't know how you felt about Ray. I think he was he was solid in camp. Um, I believe he ended up being cut, um, but then was re-signed to the practice squad and spent the year on the practice squad. So, I mean, it's a roster move that had to happen. I don't know if I really love or hate the fact that he had to go, but thoughts on Ray? I would have liked to see him compete for a roster spot. I think he's an NFL player. Now, he might mm-hmm. not be healthy. Right. Right. He got placed on practice squad IR midway through the season. That's why we didn't see him. And mm-hmm. he only played 30 games in what was it, five years, six years in college. Like he that's why he went undrafted. He has NFL mm-hmm. talent, but he just might not have NFL durability. So maybe there's something we don't know uh, in terms of his health, but I would have liked to see him stick around. So why are they making these moves now? Like I know it's, you know, it's post Super Bowl and things sort of start to get underway. Right. But yeah. I mean, free agency doesn't really open up until, you know, March 15th. What's what's the – is there a benefit? I mean, what, why are these coming in now compared to later on in the next couple couple weeks? So let me just stress first off, they never do this. 
they I, I, yeah, they rarely sign their internal free agents in the in that exclusive window. They almost always wait until a free agency opens. I yeah. A guy like Slater is kind of a unique scenario. I think Devin, they did. Was it that Saturday or Sunday night that they signed him before free yeah. agency opened last year, right? Yeah. So they, they'll do it like in that week leading up, if not after free agency opens. I think, one, they really, they, they have a certain plan they really want to stick to. And so mm-hmm. they're making sure, look, these aren't big moves, but everything impacts everything. Nothing happens in a bubble the million and a half they're going to give to Matthew Slater. They need to know what the deal is with that million and a half. They probably went to him and said, Hey, we'd like to know sooner rather than later. If you plan on being back, I wouldn't be surprised if there's something similar with Devin McCourty, maybe even with some of their internal free agents, a guy like Con McDermott. Hey, we liked you last year. We'd like to have you back. You know, a guy who's probably not going to have a super competitive market and he just gets to get signed right away and doesn't have to stress, you know, doesn't have to sweat out that whole process. So, there's no need for them to clear these roster spots. They're clearing with some of these releases, but they're doing it. Right. Um, maybe some of it too is they just they want the guys who are going to be in the building to be in the building. Um, some of it's probably health related to LeBron Ray, Quinn Nordine's another one. But I I think it goes back to, and I've made this comp on this this show a couple of times. I've made it on Catch Twenty Two with Evan a couple times. By the way, we're still doing that on Thursdays. Patriots.com and Patriots YouTube channel. I remember that 2021 off season and in like late January, early February, and this was after they missed the playoffs, just as they did this year. We kept hearing that um, uncharacteristically aggressive, yep. right? We heard it from Curran. We heard it from Reese and we haven't heard that report yet this off season, but They've done so they did some things early on that suggest this is not going to be a normal offseason. Obviously, the big one being that statement. What was that? I was right. like end of January, right? Where they say, yeah. hey, playoffs were still going on. <laughs> right. Gerard Mayo is going to be back. We're going to interview a new offensive coordinator. I think this is uncharacteristically aggressive. And I know some people will sit here and say, well, re-signing Matthew Slater and Connor McDermott isn't aggressive. Those signings in themselves aren't but they would always wait and see how the market played out. And they're not doing that right now. They're getting right to it. And Slater as a one-off, I kind of thought, all right, he just wanted to get it done. He's been here a long time. They're doing it out of respect to him. They didn't need to do McDermott this early. So I wouldn't be surprised if this becomes a thing and we start seeing more of this here. So between now and when free agency opens on March 13th, whatever it is. Yeah, I believe. So guys, so, I mean, there's still plenty of uh, impending free agents on this roster. Yeah. Um, Mar- it is March 13th, by the way. March 13th. Okay. So, like, guy like uh, – uh, I'm looking at a list now from uh, Miguel Patscap. Guys like yeah. Julius Peppers, Joe Cardona, John Jones. Uh, so, John uh, Jones I don't think is in play here. And uh, That's what I was going to say. So you, yeah. but, but, like, John Jones, Jacoby Myers. Like, those guys are going to – those should those guys should and will test the waters. I would but, be shocked if those guys don't hit the market. And honestly, right. what they would have to pay those guys to keep them off the market is not worth it. Right. I, I would actually consider it a bad move if they signed one of those guys too early. All right, so what about Jabril Peppers? Maybe Isaiah Wynn. Maybe – well. No matter what happens with Isaiah Wynn, if he's back, it's a mistake. Like whether okay. that's tomorrow, well, if, whether that's in May, I don't okay, need to see that guy a, back. What if he's a backup tackle? I don't know. I don't think he's no. going to sign that way. He's going to command the money, but 
he also just seemed so checked out last year. Yeah. I just don't, I'm not interested in that. Uh, Peppers is a really interesting one because I think he might, I think he might have a market. Like he looked good last year. He's coming off the torn ACL. He got stronger later in the year. Like, all right, that's an interesting one, but I think he likes being here. I actually think he's a guy that, that they may be willing to overpay a little bit to keep him in for what he's ultimately going to get. I don't think that's necessarily a bad idea. Mm Mm-hmm. He, I think that's as big of a signing as they'll make in this early window. I'm not saying I think they I will agree. sign him, but like, I, I don't think Myers or Jones is signing early. I don't think Damian Harris would, even with the too. injuries and everything. I think Joe Cardona will, I would consider Peppers a bigger signing personally. Uh, those are, those are the two guys I look at are, what about- are Cardona and Harris or Cardona I- and Peppers. What I tweeted about yesterday was Carl Davis, who is on the other side of 30 as a defensive tackle, but he filled the gap okay um, with Christian Ballmer being out last year. Uh, again, he's he's an unrestricted free agent, but he's played here. He knows the system. Do you think that they want to build that D-tackle depth with a guy like uh, with Carl Davis, or do you think they you know go to the draft and go you know later rounds on a guy that they've worked with? I don't know. A guy I look at is that uh, Devontra Maxwell, who I loved at the at the Shrine Bowl. He didn't practice, I don't think, but that's a guy I look at. It's like, do you, do you go younger at the position, or do you go a guy like like Carl Davis? I think they'll. So last year they didn't resign Carl Davis until like May. Right, he's not really going to have that market. So if they're going to bring one of those two tackles back early, I think it's a quality, honestly. Okay. Um, I just Carl Davis, like I like Carl Davis as a player, but you can get that guy. You can go get right. a nose tackle. Get him as UDFA. You can get him late in freedom. See, I don't think they're too worried about Carl Davis that they'd sign him early. Then again, I, you know, to be fair, I don't think right. That's fair. If they like Davis, like, yeah, I could see him signing in this window. I don't think they need to, uh, but I could see him signing in this window for sure. I'm looking at the chat and I see that my mic's messing up. So I want to make sure that you guys you're fine. It was just like one second. You're good. Oh, all right. Trust me. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. All right. Good. No, I, I figure, uh, Raekwon McMillan. I'm I'm rattling off free agents now because yeah. the way they're doing this, what do you think of Raekwon? Uh, is there any chance that they do anything with him? If he wants to come back on a team-friendly deal, yeah, I could see them bringing him back. I think he, although he didn't play defense like the last month of the year. They only played him on special teams. Yeah. That might be me liking him instead. No, I, yeah, I don't think he comes back. Let me let me rephrase that. I don't think he okay. comes back. Uh, Mac Wilson. I don't know, same thing. Marcus Cannon. Another one of those tackles. He's going to retire. Old, I'd be surprised I think if he so too. retire. Yeah, he was basically retired last year. And yeah, then, like, no. you're you're not going to bring back him and Connor McDermott. That would just be redundant. That's two guys to play the same spot. So they can move on from him. Fair point. So now that, you know, we're talking about these offseason moves, I keep thinking about this Bill O'Brien system where, you know, it's matchup friendly and I'm watching some of the film and you see how they use – that third, that third guy, that slot receiver, it runs through, runs through the slot, as everyone says. Um, and I look at Jacoby, and I think he was a really, really good slot receiver here for the last four years. And I know he's going to command a lot of money. But where do you think that they should go, and where do you think they ultimately will go at this position? Because on one hand, it's like, okay, Jacoby's been here with Mac. They have a rapport. He likes it here. And on the other hand, 
you can go to the draft and you can get someone else, or you can try and trade for a guy, or you can sign to go. So where would you go? Where do you think they're going to go with this? And uh, what do you think is ultimately the best the best way they should handle this this sort of slot receiver position that's going to be so important for their offense in 2023? I think they're going to go to the draft. I As okay. good as Jacoby is at what he does, he's not a yak guy. Like there's different right. kinds of slot receivers. And totally. It runs through the slot in Bill O'Brien's offense, but you need that guy to be able to create after the catch. And there's so many good yards after catch slot receivers in this draft. Jordan Addison, Zay Flowers, Tank Dell. You go further down where Kim Jarrett, right? Yeah. Um, I'm, I know I'm missing a couple guys off the top of my head, but there's, and, and even in free agency, like if Braxton Berrios gets cut, he's a guy I think that's just a little more explosive after the catch. Um, I think they go in that direction. That's an interesting one. That, that money that can probably be used better elsewhere um because they need more explosion at, at the wide receiver spot anyway i just i don't think myers in o'brien's offense is as much of a fit okay. and, and although he is a good slot receiver he's not that kind of slot receiver that's fair i mean i, I again i keep going back to the the stuff i've tweeted about lately because i, I think about all right your mic's this, going again this, how about now no, it's like, worse. All right, we need to start a GoFundMe to get Mike a new uh, mic. Yeah, there. seriously, come on, guys. Yeah, we'll, we'll hashtag pop it up in get the chat, Mike so. a new mic. <laughs> um, can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah. All right. So I'm talking and I'm thinking about this pick 14, and why not go take a Jordan Addison, and why not take maybe a Zay Flowers, depending on where he comes. You know. Sure. I I feel like he's gonna jump up this draft board, and we've talked about it, and we say. Go get corner, go get tackle. They're more important. But if it, if wide receiver is so important in this offense, why not get Jordan Addison and you know just use him as this guy with Mac and let them build together and and grow? Uh, because they have bigger needs. Like this, first of all, round one pick fourteen. Mike's new mic. There we go. Um, they have bigger needs. Okay, and I don't. The beauty of the offense is I don't think you need a player with elite skill in that spot to get elite output. You just need certain traits. Okay. And I think you can get a player with those traits later on. Again, I look at Tank Dell. I look at Rakim Jarrett. You can get those guys on day two. So, And people will say there's very good tackles as well, but I just... In a, in a year where there's premium tackles available, these kind of slot receivers are very common now. They're relatively, e- or actually, they're easier to get than when the, if there's an elite tackle on the board, you've got to get them. You just have to. You can't miss yeah. a chance with a young quarterback to have that spot set for the next at least five years and then potentially ten. I just, I, I don't, I don't think they can go away from that. If they want to go wide receiver in the second, I can see it, but I just, you need to get a tackle. You need to get a tackle. So. And I want to I want to let the chat get involved. We're gonna go Q and A. Um, I do also want to talk about Rocket Money. Uh, but before I do that, I want to bring up this from the chat that has to do with uh, our wide receiver talk. And it's Kendrick Bourne at that at that wiggle slot wide receiver position. Why not KB? Because that's another thing that keeps coming off my head too. If they have Devonte Parker and they have Tyquan Thornton and they have Jonu and they have Hunter Henry. And they use KB as sort of their their centerpiece of this offense because as much as he was sort of blackballed last year and wasn't really involved at all and was benched and was sat and was a backup wide receiver, 
he has the skill set to succeed in this league from the inside and the outside. So why not make him your centerpiece? Is there any reason they won't do that? Because I kind of like it. I don't hate it. I think he could do okay. it. Uh, I want him playing on the outside as well. I think his value is is kind of a wild card. So okay. I, yeah, I, I I want him kind of moving around the formation. So I and. 120 targets is a lot for him. Like you kind of want a guy that's been in that role before. I think he could do it. And I think he'd be good at it. And look, there are times in O'Brien's offense where they go double slot. And I love him as that second slot receiver, but I, I want his, I want his route tree expanded more. I like him down the field. There's not as many down the field responsibilities from that spot. Um, So I think he could do it, but I, I think they're better off with, a like true slot, a guy's experience in that role. And then you're moving Kendrick Bourne all over the place. Like for me, what the offense should like the main 11 personnel receiver grouping should be Kendrick Bourne um, as your, or it should be a uh, Devonte Parker and Tyquan Thornton alternating at the X. You mm-hmm. go out and you get a true like explosive yak slot guy. And then Kendrick Bourne kind of as your move wide receiver where he's in all these different spots. That's to me what it should look like at its best. Again, yeah. Ford probably could handle that role, but I won't. I want to see him put a little more on his plate. I do. I don't want him Fair. limited to just that role. All right. Well, we'll see what happens. The saying "try it free for thirty days" gives you just enough time to try a subscription or service, and then completely forget about it. Before you know what's happening, you're paying for a subscription you don't use every single month. With Rocket Money, you can change that with just a few quick taps. Most Americans think they spend around eighty dollars a month on their subscriptions, when really that number is closer to two hundred or more. If you don't know exactly how much you're spending every month, you need Rocket Money. Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill, is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. The app quickly and easily identifies all of the subscriptions for you and helps you decide on the ones you don't want anymore. Simply find those ones you don't want, press cancel, and Rocket Money will do it for you. No more long hold times with customer service or tedious emails back and forth. Rocket Money makes canceling it super easy with just the click of a button. Over 3 million people have used Rocket Money, saving the average person over $720 a year. A quick story, I'm sure you all know, anyone who follows me on Twitter, my second favorite sport behind the NFL is college basketball. I watch just about every single conference, so having an account on ESPN Plus is really a blessing for me. It's the best subscription I have, and I use it regularly. The problem, however, well, for the longest time, I had Hulu, Spotify, Disney Plus, and countless others. I was paying for them, and I had no idea about it. So you forget about it, and it drained my bank account. Not anymore, though, because I use Rocket Money. So stop throwing your money away, cancel unnecessary subscriptions, and manage your expenses the easy way. Go to rocketmoney.com slash patsbeat. That's rocketmoney.com slash patsbeat. Rocketmoney.com slash patsbeat. Let's get to your questions. Let's talk all things Patriots, uh, and we will start with... This one, which is probably your favorite question every single time. Should they draft a kicker and or a punter this year, Alex? <laughs> yeah, uh, I think they should draft a kicker. Nick okay. Folk kind of faded at the end of the year last year. He is 37. I really like Jake Moody in like the fifth round. Punter is a little bit tougher. If Jake Bailey wins his appeal. So, right, he got mm-hmm. suspended. It took the guaranteed money off the books. He appealed it. If he wins his appeal, then they, um, sorry, if he wins his appeal, then the guaranteed money goes back on the books. 
if that's the case, they really can't cut him. I mean, they could, it just wouldn't be worth it. You ride out another year with him. If that money stays off the books, if he loses his appeal, then absolutely draft a punter because I think he's going to be gone. Right. So punter, we're still waiting on what happens with that Bailey thing. Kicker, yes, absolutely. All right. Um, Uh, I I would agree also as well. Um, I think that if Bailey's here, he's good. He's good enough to be a punter. Um, Folk is reliable, but how much more do you have? So you might as well bring a guy in if you can. I don't know how early you're going to take Moody, but I don't hate it. All right, let's go to this one. There's a couple interesting questions here. Okay. Two questions. One, Jalen Ramsey, signed trade for. Thoughts? I've been pretty staunch on this. I think he's washed. I was not impressed with him this year. If he gets cut, I'd bring him in on short money, on like a one-year prove-it incentive thing. I'm not trading for him. I'm not trading for that contract. Absolutely not. Out on Jalen Ramsey. Uh, You go on that, and we'll answer the second one. I think it... If it's team friendly and if he's sort of this cut slash trade candidate from the Rams and you're not spending, if you're not spending a haul on him contract wise, or if you're not sending a haul to them. Well, if you trade for him, it is, if you trade for him, it is a haul contract wise. Okay. Then you you gotta, you can't trade for him. Yeah. You can't do it. Yeah. Irresponsible. If, if he ends up being a cut candidate and they can get their, the money off the books and then you bring him in, uh, even if it's, relatively expensive, but not, you know, through the roof. I don't hate it because you need something there in that room. You need something else besides just Jack and Marcus Jones. And I know you think he's washed, but he's still a pretty good corner in the league and they need something else in the room. So that's my take on Ramsey. It's not worth a ton, but it's worth, uh, worth enough, I guess. Uh, question two, Darnell Washington or Michael Mayer, who would you rather have? And who do you think is TE one this year? I, so I actually think it might be Dalton Kincaid. Okay. From Utah. I, I love Darnell Washington. I really like him too. I just worry he doesn't, he's going to have trouble separating at the next level. He's not, yeah. I, I'm going to be very interested to see what he runs at the combine. I really like yeah. him. I think he's going to be a useful player for a long time in this league. I just wonder if he's a gimmick player. I don't mm-hmm. know that he's like an 80% snap guy. He might be. Again, I need to see what he runs at the combine, but he doesn't move as well as I'd want to think. Michael Mayer doesn't really do it for me. He doesn't like he's good. He's he'll be a good, fine NFL tight end. I don't know that he's like he's hunt like I think Hunter Henry's a better receiver. He's a better blocker, Mayer is, but he's not dynamic. Uh Adding him doesn't make your offense any more dynamic. Where where Michael Mayer would be good is if you already have a bunch of tools. And he's a guy you know you're going to be able to get one-on-one with linebackers because he can win that. He's very consistent, and he's a very good blocker. Sure. He's going to be as good of a blocking tight end as there is in the league, although Washington's a better blocker. It's not as, right. He's not as good with the ball in his hands. Mayer's better with the ball in his hands. But I just – I don't know. I I love this tight end class for its depth. The top end of it, though, mm, I don't know. doesn't really do it for me. This is a great uh, point I- here. Sorry, Michael Mayer in Cincinnati. Like, exactly. Exactly. That's the team. Cincinnati, um, the Jets, if they get a quarterback, right, I think Michael Mayer would be a great ad for them. I know they have some tight ends, but, like, he'd be an upgrade. Um, Yeah, it's not for the Patriots. Yeah, so I've been doing – I have my my NFL draft sheet that's pinned to my – on my Twitter page. And so I I have the tiers at each position. And so when I was writing it out to start and just like, you know, a month and a half ago before I started really digging in, 
I just tiered out the guys that I knew of and kind of assumed where they were. And as I'd go, I'd, I'd switch them up, right? And so I had yeah. Mayer at one. My second tier was Musgrave from Oregon State and Darnell Washington. And then third tier was – I don't have Kincaid in there yet because I haven't looked at him enough. I haven't okay. got to him yet. But I had Mayer at one because everyone's talking about Michael Mayer. Yeah. Michael Mayer, excuse me. As this tier one tight end god, he's the guy, and then it's everybody else. And then I start watching Darnell Washington at Georgia, and he's six seven. He's two eighty, I think. And I know you're two seventy. Okay, two eighty is a little high, but he's just this monster, and he he makes plays. They get him the ball in space, and you're right, he doesn't have that top end speed yet. But if you get him the ball, he just he's he's hurtling guys. He's a wrecking ball. He's the best blocking tight end in the class. And so yeah. I'm watching all this. I'm like, I moved him up to tier one. It's him and Mayer. And I might edge him out on Mayer a little bit. I just, I, I think he's awesome. And I want to see what he runs. So he, yeah. So here's what I'll be interested to see. I don't know that he needs to be at 270 to okay. be effective. Yeah. If he can get down to like 260, like I think he'll still be that physical force, right? Because he can turn fat right. and muscle and all that. If he can get down to like 260, and get into like, you know, just get a little bit quicker on his feet because he is good with the ball in his hands and he can shake tackles. Like he looks like Gronk running with the football yeah, in terms right. of the way guys bounce off him. He just needs to be able to pull away before the gang tech tackle gets there. That's the thing. Once Gronk, right, he'd catch the ball, first guy's hanging on him, he'd stiff arm that guy off, and then he'd run away from everybody else. Right. Darno one Darno Washington doesn't quite have the catch radius Rob Gronkowski did. Rob Gronkowski is a top two catch radius in yeah. NFL history. It's him and Calvin Johnson. But like he's got that thing where if he catches the ball and he's six seven with long arms, so the radius is good. He can catch the ball away from a defensive back and then knock the defensive back on him. The biggest thing I see with him is like when he gets to the NFL, didn't always show up in college at Will in the NFL. Like he'll be able to make that catch, but guys are going to catch up and help gang tackle him before he can kind of pull away. And yeah. that doesn't mean he's not good, but like, if you really want to get to that ceiling, he's going to need to be able to move. And right. with the speed too, you're going to be able to bracket him and sort of cover him relatively easily. Um, I think he can play at 260. And yeah. if it helps him be a little bit faster, like then I'd be really excited. If he comes out and runs like a four seven, I'm going to be hyped. Then yeah. we can like revisit this and we'll do this by the way, Mike, the show's leading up to the combat. Cause you didn't do this last year. No, it all goes out the window. We kept, and I tried to tell you guys, by the way, <laughs> Oh, Jordan Davis at 21, Jordan Davis at yeah. 21. And I come on the show and say, Jordan Davis is going to run a sub five. at six, six, three sixty. Oh, what do you, he's not going to, what sub what five nuts? that guy. <laughs> and then he did it. And then we rewrote the whole thing. So, yeah. you know, guys like him, um, guy, if JSN runs is another guy that like it's really hit he, uh, hedging on some of the arm measurements for these tackles, Skaronsky, right? Um, that's not really Evan in the chat, is it? Where? And Evan loves Dalton Kincaid. That is Evan Lazar. I've been okay, Evan. welcome in. <laughs> he normally texts me. Hang on, I'm gonna do some some investigative journalism here. But um, well, to be fair, Evan, if he's still if he's still on here, I think I mean it's his picture. Uh, it looks like him. Yeah, and I know that like he's high on burners of Evan. I'm not important I, enough for people to do that, but they like doing it for Evan. Okay, fair. Well, um, I know Evan's high on Kincaid. I saw him talking about it on Twitter uh, either yesterday or today. But uh, like I said when I was talking about it, I haven't really done much on Kincaid yet, so I can't give an opinion uh, for or against the man. But I'm high on Washington, and I'm high on 
uh, mayor. It's Evan, isn't it? <laughs> I, I will see. We'll see if he texts me back. Okay. Um, that's going to get the chat going. All right. You can keep the, uh, we can keep the questions going here. Oh, it is so, him. All right. It is. All right, cool. That's yeah, didn't we already do this one? Yeah, yeah, no, I clicked the wrong one. Okay. Uh, receiver that fits the offense the most because I look at my tiers and I have JSN and I have Zay and I have Jordan Addison all in that one tier and they all kind of fit that same mold. And it's almost like I want them to be able to grab that guy, grab the tackle late, bring in McGlinchey and boom, everything's filled. All the holes are filled. And now you have that slot receiver that you can build around with Mac. I think that guy's Jordan Addison for me. Uh, he's six foot. He's an elite route runner. He has good balance. Um, he can separate. And I think that he would be really good at that, at that number three position. You know, we talk about that, not number three wide receiver, but the, the third guy in from uh, as the yeah. slot. And I, I, I think Jordan Addison, I also, I like Jackson Smith and Jigba. He's probably my number one receiver. He's a guy who I feel is more like Bourne, where you can kind of put him anywhere. He's not a pure slot guy. Um, but I would like to see him as well. I want to see how he tests and how that goes. I still want tackle in the first round. Uh, if they I are going to go receiver, I, I want I want Addison. I like okay. JSN's probably more technical. Mm-hmm. But so here's how I see it. JSN makes the offense more efficient. But Jordan Addison makes the offense more dangerous. Yeah. I'm not worried about the Patriots offense being efficient. I think they have the pieces to be efficient. Now they didn't last year because the guy that was calling it, but they can be efficient. I don't need them to be more efficient. I need them to be more dangerous. I need them to be more explosive. So give me Jordan Addison over JSN. That being right. said, give me the tackle in the first round and then go get Kayshawn booty. Yeah. I saw Evan. Uh... I don't know if he's still here compared to Debo Samuel. And I don't think he's wrong. Yeah, I know you've you've brought that up. Uh, I like this the, one. We need we need a three amigos. Uh, the maybe, optimi- maybe one day it is really. Yeah. Him. I'm looking at. Um, I'm catching up on the chat now. No, it is him. It is he. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, cool, cool. um, with uh, the wide with Booty, the the yeah. off the field stuff. If it is what it's reported, and if more comes out and there's like legal issues, I will change my mind. But what he did doesn't worry me. You talk to him at the combine, you get his side of the story. Assuming he clears that. Yeah. He's so the guy it is not often. You're going to, you, I don't remember the last time there was a guy at this position that clearly had that much talent this late in the draft. It doesn't happen. I I yeah, think I it's a no, and I don't know that they'll do it, but I think it should be a no brainer booty at 46 tackle and then booty at 46. Like you said, he was going into this season. He was the number one wide receiver. He was the guy. He's been in this class for like two years. Even after JSN put up 350 yards in the Rose Bowl, it was, all right, so he's number two behind Kayshawn Booty. Like, no question to me. Yeah. Um, Questions, questions, questions. Sorry, I'm just trying to I mean, I'll just take this. Is he a free agent, Tyron Matthew? I don't know. Let's find out. Oh, I think they're talking about the off the field stuff. It's honestly, to me, oh. less extreme than what Matthew did. I'll, I don't know yeah. if Tyron's a free agent. No, I, I don't think it was about that. I think it was it's, about the off the field stuff. Oh, but, okay. okay. Well, um, I'd take him. <laughs> I'd take This is a good question. Uh, you think Bill O'Brien told Bill Belichick, I'm assuming. 
Right. Do we think Bill O'Brien told Bill Belichick he'll come back if he lets him choose some acquisitions for the offense? Has to be some incentive besides money there. Think Kraft told him they're willing to spend. Yeah, I would not be surprised if Bill O'Brien has some sort of say over the offseason moves on that side of the ball. Now, yeah, I don't I think it's necessarily like full control. I don't even know if it's necessarily a specific player, but it might be an element of, I need a guy that like, here are 10 guys I see as potential number one wide receivers. Bring me one. Here's yeah. this level I want to see us invest in tackle. Like, I, I would not be surprised if Bill O'Brien made some requests about the roster. I shouldn't even call them requests. Uh, made some... Um, had in between some, a request and a demand. Yeah, I didn't want to say demand. Closer to demand right. than request, but like some like... Had some expectations, assurances, assurances, assurances yeah. of what the roster would look like here in the next couple of months. That would not surprise me. Yeah, I I would agree, and I think that that's exactly what the incentive would be. Is not only you come here and you get that job that you know you, you wanted in the NFL in the past. You wanted the offensive coordinator. You wanted the head coach. You got it. You had to go back and earn it uh, at Alabama. Um, but to be able to come here, right, and not only run the show, but have have some have your hands in running the show. This is this is what I want to happen, and I want it to be with the guys that I want I want to work with. And so, I don't know if there's I, I've always wondered about him coming back as a head coach here because it's it's been talked about in the past. Brady, I know, had said it, um, and I know that I think Kraft at one point had said something about the ability of Bill O'Brien as a head coach. But it also feels like Gerard Mayo is here as a guy in waiting. So I don't know if there's any head coach assurances there, but he definitely, he definitely got something where look, you you can you can work on the offense, and it's sort of your operation. It's not Bill Belichick's operation anymore. Well, I, the thing is, when it comes to player personnel, you can't really do that because you have a finite amount of resources to spend on the entire roster, and. You can't exactly say like, hey, Bill O'Brien, you're going to get to make all the offensive decisions. And then he says, fine, I want Broderick Jones at 14. And Bill says, too bad, I want Devin Witherspoon. So like, yeah, that's fair. His voice can get heard. And I think it's probably more something like, hey, wide receiver with one of our first three picks or tackle with one of our two top 50 picks. It's going to look like that. It's not going to say, it's not like the board's going to come up and Bill Belichick's going to defer to Bill O'Brien because now Bill O'Brien's running the team. Now, if they're between a tackle and a receiver, he may turn to Bill O'Brien and say, what do you think? And that's somewhere that I think Bill O'Brien would get input. But if Bill wants a corner in the first round, I don't think think Bill O'Brien's totally shut out of that conversation, but he's not going to override Bill Belichick by saying, you gave me control of the offense. Like, it doesn't exactly work that way. Yeah, I agree. Let's go to this one here. Uh, this is an interesting one. Does Mac Jones O'Brien offense use fullbacks? Yes, but so it's that move fullback. Mm-hmm. It's not James Devlin, but there is a role for that, like Kyle Uzcheck kind of player. Yeah. Now, personally, I think that's how they should use Johnny Smith. Johnny Smith this year. I think that's okay. the best chance to unlock him. And contrary, I see people in the chat saying you save fifteen million dollars if you cut him. No, you save like four. Yeah, it's not. So I would keep him in that that move tight end role, move fullback role. So mm-hmm. that's like, yeah, you're not going to see a Devlin type of guy, I don't think. Now, if Bill O'Brien goes back to like his Patriots offense, mm-hmm. 
there is a little bit of a role for that. But if they're going to Alabamify it, which I think should be the plan with Mac, it's that move tight end. Like that's going to yeah. be his role. Yeah, and I think John who can excel in that. I think that yeah, that's, I, that's what of, he did in Tennessee. Right, right. I mean, you look at some of the plays. Some of his best plays were out of the backfield when he was with the Titans. They would throw him like sweeps as a running back, and he would run the football and get twenty yards per carry. And they would line like they they like you said they would line him up in that fullback role and run him out of the backfield and throwing the ball out of the backfield too. So he can play. He can play that sort of H back is what is what I kind of I refer to it as is the H back. So yeah, that's the proper term there. for it. I like yeah. move fullback. I don't know yeah, why, but right. yes. Um, all right, it's a good question here. Um, what round would we prioritize that hot or out of the backfield options? So I assume you're talking about like third down, passing down, mm-hmm. back. I know they're missing White Lewis except for the last couple of years. So I still think Pierre Strong should get a shot at this. Uh, yeah, I agree. They do have Ty Montgomery. I wouldn't go high. I think on day three, you can start talking about it. I wouldn't hate them bringing in a guy in case Montgomery's still banged up or Pierre Strong can't do it Like I for insurance reasons. But I, even like fourth round's probably high. Yeah. Uh, outside the top 150, I would say, is probably mm-hmm. where I'm looking at it personally. Now, and I saw some other people asking about this further up, Jameer Gibbs. Yeah, that was where I was going to go with it. So I can see them liking him, but he's if they draft him that high, they need to play him as a slot receiver to justify it. And I hate the idea of drafting a running back to play slot receiver when there's so many good slot receivers in this draft. So I think they'll be interested. That's the one guy I think breaks that mold, but I kind of hope they don't do it. So I wanted to uh, transition from this to this yeah. this uh, one, which is, Jameer Gibbs plus Bill O'Brien plus Jerry Judy. So Gibbs is Gibbs is going to be ha- going to have to be drafted at forty six, um, because they're not going to take him at fourteen, and he's not going to get past forty six. And so, if they are able to trade for Judy and they do grab a tackle at fourteen, and Jameer Gibbs is there at forty six, I don't hate the idea. I've said it a million times on this show. He worked with O'Brien at Bama. Like you said, he could play some slot receiver, but he can also be that out of the backfield running back. He reminds me of Alvin Kamara, the way he plays uh, with the ball in his hands. He's unbelievable. So if you have now Mac Jones, Jerry Judy, Ramondre Stevenson, and Jameer Gibbs in that offense, now you're cooking with gas. You use 14 on a tackle, and you punt on corner for now. And whether you sign someone, you sign a vet, and now you still well, have... No, you, still, you don't even have to. So wait, what were you giving you up for go Judy later. there? What uh, were you giving up for Judy there? I mean, I guess you might have to give up 46 in theory. Uh, well, but there what, was a, a report a, the other day that the Broncos wanted a second and a fifth for him. Okay, so can we Which, do Which, by the way, I would do in a second. 2024 second and 2023 fifth. How's that? No, I would I would give up give up 46, give up the fifth. You take a tackle but then you're not the first, getting, you take, But then you're not getting Gibbs. Oh, to get Gibbs too. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, because I. Yeah. All right. I, I forgot That's about the, the Gibbs thing because I was gonna say it's perfect. Yeah. Take a tackle in the first, trade forty six for Judy, take a corner in the third. That's like right. my perfect draft. If they do that, I'm gonna come on here. I can't do cartwheels. Doing somersaults. <laughs> like. Okay. Um, that to me is like the perfect draft. Yeah, I think so too. But I love the idea of Gibbs uh, because he has the rapport with O'Brien and he is that sort of 
hot route receiving back. And I, I just love the idea of having Ramondre and Jameer Gibbs in your backfield. You take some workload off Ramondre and you have an Alvin Kamara type back in Jameer Gibbs. Um, let's see. Joey Porter Jr. I could talk about him until I'm blue in the face. He's the best corner in the class, but he's not going to come here. And I think that's that just kind of seems like uh, what everybody agrees with is that Joey Porter Jr.'s dad hates the Patriots and Maybe Bill wouldn't want. I mean, I guess Bill doesn't have a right to say, I don't want to deal with that guy because his dad hates us. But depending on where, where, you know, what happens at corner, I mean, not corner, at tackle in free agency and wide receiver at free agency, I still don't hate the idea of them going corner at 14 and Joey Porter Jr. would be my guy. Yeah. I, uh, I, he's a tremendous player, but they don't draft guys yeah. from Penn State. And, and his dad's really kind of said some things about Bill. So, yeah, I don't. I just don't think it's happening. Okay, so there are other lockdown corners in this draft, like oh yeah, it's, we've talked about. And all, so it's yeah, a deep class. Yeah, uh, Barrett says cut Jalen Mills, not durable, played poorly, saved six mil against the cap. Thoughts? I don't know. Um, I'm not the cap guy. Uh, I know Alex might be a little bit more well versed in it, but would Mills save six against the cap? Is is that accurate? Do you know? Um, let me see what over the cap says. Hang on a second but, here. Okay. Uh, so as you check that out, sounds high. Yeah, I it don't does. think it's that much. Um, they would save five if they cut them. Oh, so it's okay. six post June one. Okay. If they designate a post June one cut, um, yeah, it's five or six for that. You're, you're so young and you're so yeah, small at corner. If you move him, that's just, that's not worth it. It's just not worth it. And I'm not saying he was like outstanding last year, but there in another year, he might be a cut candidate. Yeah. He's not this year. Cause they just don't, especially they need the if, depth for another if year. Jack Jones is still in the doghouse, which we don't know, but we don't, we kind of have to assume that based yeah, on the way can. this team has operated. If Jack Jones is still in the doghouse, not doghouse, now you're starting over at corner. Right. So, Maybe that post June one, when we get to camp, we can start talking about it. If like, if they draft a corner in the top 50 and they sign a guy like James Bradbury and we see Jack Jones is like in the mix in camp, right in that mm-hmm. top rotational mix. Okay. Now maybe we can start talking about him being like a surprise camp cut. Right. But he's not getting cut like now. I, I, yeah, that no, would be it's not a, it's not a free agency type move by any means. Yeah. Um, Let's do this one. I've seen a bunch of people asking about it in the chat. I really didn't want to talk about it, but because uh-huh. I, there's that report from Albert Breer that the Patriots see Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi as relatively equal and that they may look to move Mac because of that. I don't buy that for a couple of reasons. Um, one, I don't think Robert Kraft is coming out here and throwing his full support behind right. Mac Jones the way he has, if there's a chance Mac Jones is getting traded. Because they're not going to let him do that. Like, right. they can't put him out on an island like that. Right. Two, I love how everybody just assumes the Patriots see Bailey Zappi and Mac Jones as similar as a knock on Mac Jones. Maybe they just think right. Bailey Zappi is really good, too. Yeah. Um, third, Bill's basically putting his job in. I think no matter what happens, Bill Belichick makes it through the 2023 season. Mm -hmm. If they miss the playoffs again, we can start talking about hot seat. 
if Bill trades Mac Jones and things go ass up, then that changes. Yeah, right. Then his jobs, his jobs on the line in like October, because what he's done at that point is give up on the guy that he handpicked to be the next guy. And then you start asking that question. Do you trust Bill Belichick to find the next guy? And if you don't, you kind of can't let him finish the season. So I don't think Bill would do that. I don't think Mac's going to get traded. I would be shocked if Mac Jones gets traded this offseason. Now, if he has a so-so year next offseason when there's much better quarterbacks available, like, yeah, then maybe we can talk about it. But it's also, you're selling very low on a potentially valuable asset. Right. It's it, it. There's so many reasons not to do it. If they do it, it's a total panic move. And Bill Belichick can't make a panic move at the quarterback position right now. He just can't afford to do it. Yeah, I, I agree. I think if they really thought that Zappi was that close to Mac, and uh, they they probably would have just continued to play Zappi this year when Mac was hurt. Um the other thing, the only team that I see really trading for Mac would be the Raiders uh, because of his relationship with Josh and the fact that Ziegler was here and he was a part of the brass that drafted Mac Jones for the Patriots. So Ziegler and Josh definitely like Mac and they're in quarterback no man's land right now. But that doesn't mean that they're going to just go up and trade him, the Patriots. Uh, Bill is in a prove it year. Uh, if you agree or disagree, that doesn't really matter. He is. Uh, this is a huge year for them because. You saw Tom Brady go and win a Super Bowl and the Patriots have made the playoffs once and they lost by 30. So they need to do something. They need to do something now. And if that something now is grabbing Aaron Rodgers and trading for Aaron Rodgers after he comes out of this darkness retreat, then maybe you go and trade Mac. And maybe that's Bill Belichick's uh, panic mood. But that's not going to – I don't think that's happening. No, no. You're not not going to trade Mac. You're not trading Mac to go with Zappi. You're trading there's Mac only one to quarterback. go grab somebody else. And it's there's only there. one quarterback. That, I mean, like Mahomes isn't available, right? There's only one quarterback that was even remotely realistic that they would move on from Mac Jones for this offseason. He retired about a month ago. Right. So unless he's coming back again, unless he's going to go full Brett Favre short of the illegal funding stuff. <laughs> yeah, I should be careful what I say. I don't want to get sued. Yeah, don't, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I just. It's not happening. It's not happening. I, you yeah. saw the Pat McAfee thing. Right? Yeah, I did. That's yeah. yeah that it just funny. took. It just took a second. <laughs> All right. Uh, so yeah, I, I no, I I agree though. Max Max not getting traded unless they yeah. unless they go balls to the wall with like a Rogers, but I don't see that. Yeah, either. I and Lamar's not realistic for a so. number of reasons. I I do think they would. You know, Mac to Lamar is an upgrade. I'm not gonna sit here and say it's not. The Ravens are going to franchise him. He's not going to hit free agency. And they're going to trade him one in the NFC. Mm-hmm. And two, the, there's just teams that can outbid the Patriots. Like, they're not going to have the best offer. Would they put an offer in if Lamar Jackson hits the trade block? They very well might. Like, they'll, they'll make that call, I would think. But yeah, it's not going to get very far. Because there are, there are teams that have you know, multiple first round picks this year, five first in the next three years, things like that, that they just can't compete with. They can't contend with. So I don't consider Lamar a realistic option. And no, he's not going to play under the franchise tag to, to get to this comment, but they will tag him to prevent him from hitting free agency, right? They'll tag him, And then if they don't want to give him a new contract, they will tag him 
and then trade him to a team that will then give him a new contract. He's not going to play under the tag, nor should he. Right. But right. he's also no shot that guy hits free agency. None. No. Uh, um, yeah, th- this person's right too. They're not going to pay. They're not going to pay Lamar that much money. No, just probably not. They're not going to pay any quarterback that yeah. much money. Um, <laughs> I like this comment. We'll get to this plenty over the over the course of the offseason. Let's yeah, we will be talking That's a lot fun. of receivers. Hang on, That's just because I see stuff. this in all caps. We'll get uh, not that one. Wait, what is this? I'm curious now. What is the national media obsession with the Cowboys odds on favorite to be Super Bowl champs next year when they choke year after year? What a joke. Uh, That's not media. That's Vegas. And Vegas likes taking money from stupid people. I also don't think that's accurate. But Cowboys have more fans than any other team in the country. So if you put them as the title favorites, you get more people to bet it. And you're going to get more money. Cowboys not winning the Super Bowl next year. This is what I was trying to click on. Staying in the state of Texas. Demario Overshone linebacker from the university of Texas. One of my favorite players in the draft, super dynamic can play on ball, off ball, rush the pass or cover, stop the run uh, plays shot out of an absolute cannon. One of the most fun college football players to watch this year, a little undersized. So projection right now is second round. I thought he would have been a first round pick. If he came out last year, I'm a little surprised he didn't. We'll, we'll get to you. I haven't watched him yet. Have you? You've just, no, I haven't. I think to this point. Yeah, okay. Pretty much. Um, and some corners. Honestly, DeMarby and Overshone is going to be one of the stars at the Combine. I would be really surprised if he's not. So we'll get him into him a lot then. We really haven't talked about the linebacker position a lot. Um, yeah. We haven't, you know, been around that. It doesn't mean I don't like guys there. This is actually a great comment here. DeMario Overshone is just a faster Juwan Bentley. Yeah, and I mean that as a tremendous compliment. compliment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Faster Juwan Bentley is a scary, scary player. Not that right. Juwan Bentley on his own isn't scary, but um, I really like DeMarviano. He's one of my favorite players in the draft last year. I was all on him last year, and then he went back to school. So we get to do this all over again. Yeah, if you want to talk a linebacker, too, that, that again, like I said, I've done mostly offense. I've looked yeah. at corners. But a, a linebacker that keeps you know popping up in my head is Isaiah Moore from NC State. It would be a late-round pick. I think we drafted him in our mock draft a few weeks ago, or last week, whenever that was. Um just because he was a guy who they worked with at the Triangle, and they clearly clearly sounded like they had a lot of interest in. So, I mean, that's someone I would look to later on. But uh, I'm excited to watch Overshone because I see his name all the time. I just haven't got to it yet. So we'll see what happens. But, yeah, hook him. Um, I'll go with this one more and then we can get into yeah, the other Yeah, I was going to say. This is a kind of fun question. Who's the guy the Patriots could reach for at 14, the Cole Strange of this draft? Now, Cole Strange was like 100 on the big board last year. Yeah. And they were picking at pick 31, so it's a little different. Actually, 101 on the big board right now is Tyler Steen, who's a tackle. So that – Okay. I don't think they're going to take Tyler Steen in that's, the first round. Not at 14. Maybe if they trade back. The equivalent reach for me, and honestly, I wouldn't be mad, is Dewan Jones. Yeah. Like, Dewan Jones at 14 probably is a reach. But I wouldn't be mad about it. You're getting a very talented player. So I'm going to say Dewan Jones. Yeah, I agree. I'm just looking at some some guys here. I mean, it depends on Zay. Zay could, in theory, be a reach at 14, especially if a guy like Addison's Zay, on the board. But Zay's it's a not... reach at 14 if Addison's there. I see, but they won't make that reach. They don't reach at that position. Yeah, right. Or so... I shouldn't say they don't reach at that position, but like they'll... There's Maybe really not like... a ton of historical context there. I don't know how I'm going to If they that. like Matthew Bergeron... Uh, they're not taking Matthew Bergeron in the first round. 
Well, I'm just saying we, they weren't. They also weren't taking Cole Strange in the first round. Okay, they did. that's fair. Well, they Matthew Bergeron's a guard. They any guard they take Doesn't in the first both? round is a reach. Doesn't he play both? He's guarding. He's kind of like if you're taking him right. in the first round, it's as a play. He's not ready to play tackle. If you're taking him in the first round, you're taking him to be plug and play. He's only plug and play at guard. Jameer Gibbs at 14 is my reach. That's a good one, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's a good one. That's fair because because fair. he worked with O'Brien. He shouldn't go there. Bijan's probably going to go ahead of him, but it's like, this is our guy. We're sticking to it. Um, so, yeah, that's it. Thanks for all the questions. Uh, let's wrap this thing up, Alex, with a Boston Sports Minute. Uh, I will grab the graphic while I also talk about Jason Tatum because Jason Tatum, where are we? Uh, Mike, he scored 55 points on LeBron. Can you believe that? You don't like it? You don't like him being an all-star? You don't um, like him being the MVP? I thought it was pretty cool. Did you watch it the game? It was pretty cool. It was fun. I just know people are going to overreact to it, and that's going to become annoying. I wish this could just be a fun thing that he did. It was. It was a fun thing. Right. Well, people are overreacting both ways, to be fair. Yeah, fair. It was a fun thing that he did. I'm sure winning the Kobe Bryant Award meant a ton to him. 100%. But I – people talking about how he cemented his MVP case last night? No. No, they look how they played that game. No, they yeah, didn't. No, right. they didn't. Speaking I, of how they played the game, though, the part that was really cool was him and Jalen going back and forth. That was the best part, and that reinforces yeah. my point that what the what they should do is adopt the NHL format and do half court three on a half court three on three tournament between the the four divisions. That's something. Okay, and then you don't have this lackluster defense as much because you don't have to run back up and down the floor. The really interesting thing last night, and we know the NBA puts moments into these games. Right. They wanted to showcase Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Yeah. The NBA sees these guys as a fa- the face of the league. Right. That's important That's in cool. that league. Yeah. That is important in that league. So that was my biggest takeaway. The one-on-one yeah. on one exactly. The NBA wanted that to happen. Right. So that's a that good sign. And- that says a lot. Best team in the league. Two, be- two of the best players. Uh, Jalen played with his mask. He looked he looked pretty damn cool, uh, and he was the leading scorer for Team LeBron. Yeah, no, they had the leading uh, scorer no, on team each Gian- team. Yeah, yeah, whatever um, it was, right? I no Team LeBron because Team Giannis yeah. won because the first time LeBron lost. Yeah, okay. It, Joe Mazzulla got the win, by the way. I. It's a good coach. The other like it's because it's it's how it works in the NBA. Like guys are gonna see that. Like guys on the buyout market right now, right? And hey, look at what these guys just did. Don't you want to come play with them? Look how fun that right. looks. Like that, that to me is more like the thing. So it was very cool. We don't need to make a mountain out of it, but it was very cool. It was a ton of fun to watch. And it's nice to see the Celtics not just relevant. I don't want to say relevant again because they have been relevant for the last five or six years, but the Celtics are on the top of the NBA. They are the right. team in this league right now. They are the center of attention. And last night uh, reinforced it. Yeah, I agree. I think it's fun. It's cool to, like you said, yep. see two guys that they want to showcase in, in Brown and Tatum, and uh, they made it happen. So let's move to the Red Sox. Spring training is here. Brian Bayo is already sat Ooh. down. Yep. Uh, I want your uh, unfiltered Red Sox thoughts. I'm I'm a baseball guy here and there, but I know that you, you are a – I mean, you see your hat. You got your, yeah. you got your Fenway going. Uh, thoughts on spring training so far? It's not great. Uh, no, nothing says Red Sox baseball like your your workhouse starter and your top pitching prospect being shut down on February seventeenth. 
Look, the roster is what it is, and they're already hyping up Corey Kluver on Twitter as a two-time Cy Young winner. You you were probably in high school, Mike, when he did that. Yep. Um sure it was. I I Sam Kennedy was on the other station today. And the other he station. was asked <laughs> he was asked about what John, I don't know if you saw John Henry's comments this morning to the athletic. Yeah. Talking about how he thinks people were making up booing at the winter classic. They were not. And did he get, didn't he get a standing ovation at the end of winter meetings? He did not. And then Sam Kennedy comes out and says this day, and this ticked me off, honestly, said, well, maybe these media outlets need to try harder. I'm sorry, go F yourself. The guy won't speak. Right. And credit, I guess on one hand, credit to Sam Kennedy that he's come out here and take the brunt of all of this. But you don't get to tell us as reporters to try harder when the guy we're trying to get the story from hasn't spoken in a live setting since before the pandemic. Right. That's, I'm sorry, it's insulting. So, yeah, the product on the field is going to suck. I've known that. Stop thinking we're all idiots. Stop treating us like idiots. The fan base, the reporters, everybody. Xander Bogarts is our top priority. When we all know he wasn't, how dumb do you think we are? Well, the media needs to try harder. What do you think we're trying to do? He's walking to his car. People are yelling questions at him. How dumb do the Red Sox think the people of Boston really are? It's sad. It's sad. Period. It's but they signed Rafi. But they signed Rafi. Come on. They got bullied into signing Raphael Devers. They did. They did. Which I realized I commented with the Patriots press pass. I meant to comment on my own. I was looking for the score of a college basketball game. But – uh, anyway, continue. Sorry, I don't know if that got pinned, but wait, what you put the score? I didn't see it. I wrote, um, "What's the score from the Patriots press pass when it was supposed to be on my own?" But continue. I um, no, that's pretty much it. And no, to go back to Ravi, well, you know what would be really cool yeah. is if they had a couple franchise cornerstones shake us out of this. They gave a different guy the contract they could have given Xander Bogarts, and now that guy's arm doesn't work. And oh, we yep. knew it was a ticking time bomb, but they sold that as an upgrade. Someone's mad that you're screaming, Alex. They signed Rafi. They, they signed, signed him. Their, yeah, they I'm like kidding, the fourth the guy that I was called their top team. priority, they signed. Right. I'm screaming because I'm annoyed. Because that team means a lot to me, and it means a lot to a lot of people in this city. And to be talked down to by ownership is not the, – the Red Sox I, are inherently a Boston thing, and that's not unique to the Red Sox. But the Red Sox – as a Boston icon should have a certain level of respect for the people of Boston. Say what you will about some of the things the Celtics, Bruins, and Patriots have done. I think those three teams genuinely, generally respect their fans. I really do. And respect it the least. I don't think the Red Sox respect Red Sox fans. And that has always bothered me. And hearing that today from Sam Kennedy just kind of adds a layer to it. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, well, the Bruins are a wagon. They won again today. Bruins, on Let's the other hand, are very the good. Bruins. They're a ton of fun. They love their fans. They have been very yeah. fan. Well, they did the Mitchell Miller thing. But besides that, <laughs> they have been very fan friendly this year. They yes. still, you know, if they really want to be more fan friendly, they could pay David Pasternak because his price continues to go up. But yeah, and you know what? It sounds like they're. They're in play for a left shot defenseman, which I think is really kind of the one piece they need. I know some yeah. people want a forward. 
I'm not going to be upset if they like add a bottom six guy, but I like the forward group. I'm kind of fine with it. And I think they have some depth there. You know, like if people say, well, what if you lose Pasternak? What if you lose March? Like, hey, your season's over anyway. It doesn't matter who you add for right. depth. I just, I don't want to see them get beat up on the blue line again in the playoffs. Add the, the big left shot defenseman. Uh, Gavrikov is the one guy, Mikhail, uh, Vladimir, or Vladislav Gavrikov. It's, there's like a million there's a bunch in it. of them. Um, yeah. Uh, Gavrikov, uh, Vladislav Gavrikov is a guy that's been talked about. Luke Shen's another guy. Um, just go get the big left shot defenseman. Keep it rolling. Team's a wagon, yep. plain and simple. All right. So I have a question since it's president's day. I wrote about yep. this on CLNS today. Uh, and I did my Boston sports Mount Rushmore. Um, of current Boston sports athletes. And I don't necessarily think that Mount Rushmore means you are the best player, but you are more so the face of the franchise. And so my Mount Rushmore for Boston sports, one from each team, is Jason Tatum, Patrice Bergeron, Rafi Devers, and Mac Jones. Would you agree? Would you disagree? And what would you say your Mount Rushmore is for Boston sports? Current for the Boston, current Boston sports. for the Bruins again? Bergeron. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Okay. Those are the faces of each team. I don't know if that's the... If we're going to do best player on each team, it's probably Tatum, Tudon, Pasternak, Devers. Judon. Yeah, um, I agree. If we're going to go best player on each team. On face of but the franchise, it's Mac. Face of the franchise, it's... Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I got a lot of pushback on that's Mac And that's people. active. I saw somebody say Bobby Orr in the comments. That's active. Active, yeah. Yeah, The, bo- the Boston sports all-time Mount Rushmore is Tom Brady. Yeah. Bobby Orr. Yeah. Larry Bird. This is where it gets tricky. And David Ortiz. So most people go Bird Ortiz or uh Russell and Orr. People or also Russell do and um Russell Brady. and uh, Williams, sorry. Yeah, I was gonna say people do Brady or we're losing it. People it's, do it's, Williams it's, it's over Brady, it's Brady and Orr for sure. Correct. Period. Those yes. two. Yes. Two people do Russell for the Celtics and right. people Russell do Ted or Bird. Williams. And Williams or Ortiz. I think it's Ortiz. I don't know, man. Like, because we grew up at a certain age, but Ted Williams is like. But the clutchness of Ortiz is insane. Oh, four. It's like game after game. And then they're against the Padres in 13. And it's they're down four. And it's like, this team's not that good. But all of a sudden, Ortiz comes up and he whacks it out. It's like, you knew it was going to happen. He still did it. Every time you needed it, he was going to put it out. He's. The most clutch Boston athlete besides Tom Brady. Like, it's it's incredible, the clutchness of David Ortiz, in my opinion. Yeah, That's he's why just, it's a debate. Ted Williams would have the all-time home run record if he didn't have to go be an American hero in Korea. So You're going to do that. He'd have the, all-time, gonna... <laughs> let's, he'd have the all-time home yeah, run record. So, uh, yeah, and like the Russell Bird thing, I just think Russell – is so foundational to the NBA and he has all those, yeah. like we all, the whole Celtics thing is banner 18, right? Here's a good one. Right. More Ortiz or Brady. This is a great argument. It's Brady, but it's pretty close. <laughs> I think it's apples and oranges. I think being clutch in those okay. two different sports means two different things. I think he can't. And that's a cop out. That's a cop out. hundred percent. Yeah. You're, you're but right. I, I think he Come can on. compare. Make a decision. Make a decision before we get out of here. Brady or Ortiz. Honestly, no, nah, I go Brady. This I go gonna, Brady. I was going to say, if you say There's Ortiz, an argument to be made for Ortiz because I think it's harder to be clutch in baseball. baseball. In yeah. baseball, it's set up for the batter to fail. 
Baseball yeah. is set up. Baseball is a sport of failure, right? It's set up mm-hmm. for the batter to fail. And Ortiz still succeeded time after time in those situations. But you look at the stages Brady did it on in just how much that if it wasn't for 28-3, honestly, I'd probably say Ortiz. Yeah. 28-3 to me, that's it. how close it is. 28-3 to me is the the difference maker. That's yeah. the that's that's the um tiebreaker to me. All right. Well, that's our Mount Rushmore. So we're sticking to it. Happy President's Day. Um me and Alex will be back on Patriots Beat later on this week. Uh, so make sure you subscribe to our channel uh, at Patriots Press Pass on YouTube. Follow us on Twitter for updates on when we'll be back. At Mike Cadlick for me, at Real Alex Barth for him. Read all of Alex's stuff on 985thesportshub.com. You can check out my stuff, including my Mount Rushmore that I posted today on clnsmedia.com. Uh, again, until later on the week, thank you all for watching, and we'll see you next time.